Okay, so the other day we had our feet up in our virtual office here at the Nexus, trying to think of subjects to explore with our guests, and more importantly, subjects to avoid exploring with our guests. Things that you're probably sick of hearing about, like the Great Resignation, or the War for Talent. Ugh, gross. And as we're talking about these subjects we no longer wish to bore you with, it suddenly occurs to me, and I apologize if I sound obtuse by saying this, but these subjects which we dare not raise, they're all predicated on the idea that there are more jobs than there are people to fill them. And then I thought, is that actually true? I mean, do we know that for certain? Is everybody feeling the same labor shortage, or are some labor shortages different than others? I mean, sure, we all read the same news reports, which cover off the same data points, but I'm not an economist, I don't specialize in labor markets, and I guess that most of you listening, smart as you may be, are not economists specializing in labor markets either. So, what do we really know about interpreting everything we're seeing and hearing about tight labor markets? Well, thankfully, I can phone a friend. His name is Pedro Antunis, and in addition to being the chief economist at the Conference Board of Canada, he's also exceptionally patient with people like me, who are prone to asking obvious questions. Pedro joins us at the Nexus. All right, Pedro, first obtuse question. Is there a labor shortage, which we'll define as more jobs than qualified people to fill them? Yes or no? Yes. Obviously, the pressures are different across different occupations. But when we look at the situation in Canada today in comparison to where we were in, let's say, 2019, and you may recall 2019 was a really good year for labor markets. We saw a surge in employment. We saw wages coming up and we saw essentially job vacancies reach record levels. So all of these things were telling us that there was labor shortages in Canada in 2019. And fast forward to today and we're comparing that same survey in terms of job vacancies, and we're seeing the numbers have grown even more. In other words, more job vacancies today, a 14% increase overall from where we were in 2019. And across some segments, especially what I would term as the knowledge economy segments, we're seeing some really important increases, a lot of pressure in some of these segments. Are we looking at a simple supply and demand issue? Well, obviously, this is a fundamental challenge. And I think the immigration system in Canada has really focused on essentially the working immigrant stream. That is folks that are pre-qualified or already have jobs. And, and that's been a very successful program and it has worked. I think when we think about non-permanent residents, that's not necessarily in the immigration stream, but these are temporary foreign workers also coming in for the most part for very specific roles and jobs. The greater challenge, I think, is with the family class and the refugee class of immigrants, which are also very important numbers coming into Canada each year. And we're seeing the labor market performance in those groups lacking, and we could do better there. There's obviously some strain as well with recognizing foreign credentials with different occupations that are more difficult to enable foreign workers to come into easily into the workforce. But I think there's a lot of efforts being made across the board. And if it weren't for immigration, we would essentially 
potentially have a negative growth in our labor force. So we really need to do well on immigration. And right now, I would suggest what we're seeing in the labor market is essentially the numbers of immigrants not coming into this country really having an impact on occupations across the board. So I think it's going to shed some light on the need to recognize credentials and ensure that immigrants are participating fully in the workforce. A labor shortage of this nature is not unique to Canada. This is being felt in first world nations across the globe, is it not? That's certainly true. I think we're seeing some similar issues popping up in the United States. I think perhaps for slightly different reasons. I mean, the U.S. doesn't depend as much on immigration in the sense that their natural rate of increase is a little bit stronger than here in Canada. But they're having similar issues in the U.S., and certainly we hear about similar issues in Europe. I think the case of the U.S. is one where we haven't seen labor force participation rates come back up fully. So there's still a lot of people that are out of the workforce, and hopefully we'll be able to see those folks coming back into the workforce more fully. In Europe, of course, the aging population issue is even more significant than it is here in Canada. So I think that's a fundamental piece for Europe. And we hear a lot about what's happening in Britain, in the UK especially. And of course, that's very much related to work visas for other Europeans coming into that country. I'm sure you've seen the same articles we have on the subject of the great resignation. And by that, I mean people who are coming out of the pandemic, reassessing what's important to them and deciding that their current jobs don't fit the life they want for themselves. How is that affecting this particular shortage? And is there anything that can be done to correct that? I don't know that we've seen anything suggesting that there's a great resignation happening here in Canada, but the pressures, as we've just discussed, are certainly there. In general, it just boils down to essentially these issues that HR professionals have been dealing with in Canadian organizations for years now is how to retain workers, how to ensure that you keep older workers, and essentially fighting these fundamentals of weak labor force growth overall. Which sectors are most affected by this shortage at the moment? A lot of this plays into the fact that what we've seen through the pandemic has been a surge in knowledge sector employment. One of those is the healthcare sector, and in the healthcare, obviously, there are particular circumstances happening with the pandemic and the need for health resources and the pressures that we've seen on the healthcare sector overall. So that's certainly one segment. But more broadly, what's happened in Canada is essentially professional services. So professional scientific technical service jobs have continued to grow, despite the fact that we saw this deep cut early on in 2020. That segment of employment has come back very, very quickly, and in fact, is now now well above where we were pre-pandemic. The same thing goes for other professional service jobs and financial services and insurance, in education and social program, and certainly in public administration in general. So if we cut it a little differently and look at essentially employment for people with a university degree or more versus those that have less than that, what we see is essentially a surge of about six to eight percent in employment for people with university degrees. Now, to put that in perspective, generally speaking, a good year in terms of overall employment growth is about two percent. So these segments are growing six percent in a year and a half. It's just phenomenal. How much of the current labor shortage is contributing to our supply chain disruptions? Or is it less of a cause, more of a symptom? This is obviously not just a Canadian issue, it's a global issue. 
And I think just more generally, what we've seen through this pandemic is government support has really outdone essentially the losses in labor income. So even though people have lost jobs through the pandemic, government support has been more generous and by far more generous than the losses in income. And so households are in really, their balance sheets are in really good shape and we keep hearing about how much folks have saved. Now, what's happened in Canada with respect to that is we're not alone. In fact, it's happened in most developed economies where savings are high, people were unable to consume during the pandemic, and there's a surge now in demand and spending, and supply is not keeping up. So we're seeing the impacts of that, not only in terms of global supply chains and transportation bottlenecks, we also have an energy shock, which we you know, certainly didn't expect earlier on as the economy reopened. And all of these things are adding inflationary pressures. And on top of that now, we're seeing these uh, labor shortages that are, I believe, adding additional pressure, additional costs. And this is why we're seeing the inflation numbers running as high as we have. Pedro, I'm going to have you play Nostradamus for a moment. You could prognosticate for us a little bit. Can you project into, say, 2022 and beyond as to how this is going to look? How might it correct I do think there's a very different picture that is going to emerge once we have spent essentially that excess that we have in the economy right now. In other words, with the support programs, both for businesses and households that the federal and provincial governments have have put in place, we're seeing balance sheets in good shape. Now we're reopening the economy. We're allowing the economy to rebound back to pre-pandemic levels, and that's generating a lot of strong growth and strong demand, as we just discussed. And I think that is going to continue through most of 2022. When we look beyond that, though, I do think that there are a number of problems for Canada's economy. The fundamentals in terms of business investment, in terms of I think there's going to be a shakeup in terms of the structural changes that the pandemic is going to leave a lot of businesses with. I think the fiscal situation is going to be very, very tight. So we're seeing a picture of very restrained growth beyond the recovery years. Having said that, though, if we focus in on the labor market, again, I think the fundamentals are still very much there. And that is that baby boom cohort retiring often across almost every occupation, certainly that I've looked at, that is the fundamental factor with these folks retiring that pulls essentially the labor force numbers down. So there's still pressure, even if the economy is going to grow more slowly, on finding qualified labor across many occupations. I'm wondering what you would suggest employers do to sort of help manage this pain in the short term. Well, it is going to be difficult because there's just no quick solutions, I think, for a lot of employers. Those job vacancies that are out there, we are seeing the wages among those job vacancies ramping up fairly quickly. So you can tell the pressure is there. The problem, though, is that it doesn't necessarily make us better off as a nation if those increases in wages are followed or, in fact, led by increases in prices, then that just erodes that income. We don't really benefit in terms of real incomes. We just end up with higher inflation. In terms of individual organizations, obviously, they're dealing with their own challenges and pressures and doing their best to recruit and retain the talent that they need. But nationwide, this is a problem for public policy, for leaders across this country to think about how to alleviate this. One way, obviously, is to increase the supply of workers. And I think we've made an awful lot of effort on retraining, reskilling. So that's been announced in a lot of the provincial federal budgets. Of course, bringing in more people with immigration and ensuring that those folks are able to fully participate in the labor market. 
And then last but certainly not least is our ability to increase our investments. So technology will help alleviate those pressures in many areas. And we haven't really seen a lot of investment in essentially machinery and equipment, retooling investment, or in fact in intellectual property or software investment in this country. Advances in technology, artificial intelligence, these things are all factors that would add greatly to our productivity. The only way to really increase our quality of life, our incomes per person, is if productivity increases. And I think we've seen that time and time again, that technology increases our capacity, our incomes, and it increases jobs across other areas of the economy. Pedro, I want to thank you for making the time to chat with me. I appreciate it. No, it's a pleasure. You folks have some really good questions. <laughs> Labor shortages got you down? Are you struggling to find the right people for your business? Well, I've got good news. Nexus can help. For more than two decades, we've been supporting clients with all kinds of novel strategies and products designed to help you attract the right talent and keep it. Find us at www.nexuscommunications.com. That's N-E-X-U-S communications.com. And if you liked what you heard today, then why not let the whole world know? Rate us or comment on us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you happen to indulge your podcast id. The Nexus is produced by Alexa Paveo and Mertz Jaffer and hosted by me. I'm Chris Nelson. Thanks for listening. 